Uh, man, I gotta say, not having a haircut for this long. Here, let me describe kind of where I'm at. You know, um, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. You know that one where he had like grown his hair out kind of long. Yeah, I'm right around there right now. Okay, what's the next phase? Well, I don't know. He cuts it off shorter in the next movie, so I guess I guess I have to get a haircut soon. Yeah. Well, just keep an eye out for Cedric. Okay. <laughs> Well, well, welcome to episode 370 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Lovin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing just great. Things are fine. <laughs> Convincing. You know what I'll say? I'll say I've had a few weeks of not feeling super great, RE productivity, and this week was better. Okay. And I feel like I got some stuff done this week. And that is a good feeling. I like ending days feeling as though I made progress in my life. And mm-hmm. some, that doesn't happen every day. Like some days, it's just like, ah, I think I kind of was doing busy work or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. And so transitioning from several days like that in a row to something that feels, you go to bed and you're like, yes, I, I did good work today. Um, Mm-hmm, that's a mm-hmm. good feeling. So that's how I'm doing. Yeah, that, uh, I, I love the thing of when you have a thing that you really need to do and you can forget about it every once in a while, but every once in a while you'll be like, oh, I got to do a thing. What's the thing? Oh, yeah, it's that fucking thing. I got to do that thing. But then after you've done that thing, you still get that little pang of like, I have a thing I got to do. But then you remember like, oh, yeah, it's that thing. And I did that thing already. Oh, I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> yes, I already did it. Yeah. yeah, that's the best. Yeah, that's a good feeling. Anyways, yeah, how are you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Looking forward to this episode. We got some fun stuff to talk about. We have a very, very full outline, I will say. So we should just dig in. Huge shout out right off the bat to Curiosity Stream. Uh, we're going to teach you a lot of stuff here in this podcast, but Curiosity Stream is going to teach you about all the other stuff. Like literally every other topic, Curiosity Stream has you covered. It's an on-demand documentary streaming service where you can learn something new from thousands of award-winning documentaries. You can get started for just $14.99 for an entire year of streaming at curiositystream.com slash design. Nice. Thank you, Curiosity Stream. Huge shout out this week to Float as well. Oh, Marshall, every week it seems like another big company is announcing full-time remote status. And the trend shall continue. And Float is a lifeline for teams that work remotely. It helps you keep your team in the know on where and when you're working from. It is a resource planner for remote working companies. You can learn more at float.com slash design details. Thanks so much to Float. Thanks, Float. All right, we have some VIPs this week. Interestingly, Marshall, mm-hmm. we aren't doing a lot of uh, like acquisition tracking here on the podcast. We don't have uh-huh. a lot of tracking pixels floating yeah. around. Yeah, uh, but it is interesting to see when there's like a little micro spikes of people yeah. who who become an influx, like join our Patreon. And so, like last week, the call to action was: Do you want to hear us talk about the Apple event and like share our opinions? Maybe a few people did. It's hard to say. Anyways. <laughs> Well, you know, I think I would be one of those people who would be like, oh, I'm kind of interested in what they have to say, right? Especially because we talk about things from a design angle rather than just recapping the same thing that The Verge has already said or whoever. I hope so, yeah. I mean, I think we did a little bit of recap, but hopefully like the design parts jumped out and we ended up talking about that kind of stuff, and that's the more interesting part. So, Anyways, uh, huge shout-out to our new VIPs, very important pixels. Shout-out to who? This could go either way. 
Andrea or Andrea Molnar, Aaron Burkhart, Dominic Holmes, Alte Ademir, Austin Schaefer, Futz. That's P-F-U-T-Z. How would you say that? Futz? Futz, probably, yeah. It's good, Futz. though. I like it. Yeah, I like it. And Mabel Wong. Wow. Yeah. The P is silent. Futz, yeah. Futz. Well, thank you all for supporting the show. Really appreciate it. Yes, thanks, everybody. If you didn't know, we are a listener-supported podcast, which means that listeners like you actually make this show possible every single week. How that looks is you can support us on Patreon. We're on Patreon, and starting for just a dollar a month, you can subscribe, and as a result, you get access to a special supporter-only segment of the show called The Sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. It's like a bonus cool things, or, or think of it as like a complete episode. If you're not subscribed to our Patreon, you're basically getting like a half episode. So we'll always have an extra bonus question, uh, a listener question, or some topic with a juicy design slant. Uh, so if you want to support us and get access to full episodes of the podcast... That's at patreon.com slash design details. Today we talked about how to get brand and product design teams to collaborate together and uh, how that collaboration might work effectively. So if you want to hear that, that's at patreon.com slash design details. Cool. All right, a little bit of proper episode follow-up. Let's get into it. Yeah, a little bit of follow-up. So last week, my cool thing, this is selfish follow-up, right? Last yeah. week, uh, my cool thing was Joji's new album, Nectar. All right, I'm uh, going to stop I, you right there, Marshall. Yeah, yeah. I have listened to this album uh-huh. since last Sunday when we recorded. Uh-huh. I think I've listened to the album maybe 150 times. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Yeah. I just threw yeah. that shit on repeat yeah. for from the time I sat down at my computer to the time I went to bed. God, ugh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. I mean, I don't want to like overhype it, but I really enjoyed it. Like every song was. I, actually, there's a couple I, I'm not a huge fan of. But mm-hmm. for an album as big as it is and for an artist I've never heard of before, I was just so impressed and so much uh, stylistic range and, and different feels across the different songs. It felt like a, a really nice journey. So anyways, I've had that on repeat. So thank you for the, the recommendation. Yeah, yeah. And you're, you're, well, I'm so happy to hear that you enjoyed it. Uh, and you're not the only one. I got a tweet from Ali, the Ali JT on Twitter. Uh, said, uh, damn, two for two. Marshall knows my music preferences better than Spotify because I guess uh, Robert Parker hit for him and so did Nectar. So, Oh, there you go. But yeah, I just uh, wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, oh. <laughs> to uh, say how much you like that album, Brian. And, yeah. Uh, you know, just was... prove how good of a musical selection person I am, you know? Well, here, let me say this. I, I really enjoyed the album. The first song, Ooh, mm-hmm. I think it might be my least favorite song on the album. So if yeah, other people clicked play and didn't like the vibe of the first one like me keep going but marshall you like you like the first song right yeah i do i mean soaring strings it feels like kind of a old classic like something that would be on a tarantino soundtrack or something like the backing uh strings and everything i don't know Mm -hmm. i really like it well awesome joji nectar so joji yeah uh another piece of follow-up so more talk about work journals something that i've been thinking about recently and i've noticed in my own behavior that i found useful is I'm using verbs very specifically, right? So I start every bullet point with a verb, and I use the same verbs over and over again. And and this makes searching later a lot easier, Mm, right? So for example, um, when I present a deck to to people, I say presented deck, and I have a link to that deck or whatever. But when somebody else presents a deck to me, I say person shared 
whatever that deck is in the link to that thing. So, okay. so I kind yeah. of differentiate between when a deck is incoming and outgoing, right? But similarly across the things, like either I, I attend a meeting or I lead a meeting or I participate in a thing, you know, come up with a kind of a lexicon of verbs that work really well for you so that later when you're like, oh yeah, I was in that sprint. Well, I know that when I use sprint, I like participate in a sprint. So I can just search for participate in this doc and all the sprints I've been in will show up, right? Man, that's nice. I can imagine like contributed to or helped with. Mm-hmm. And then when Created. you are writing your self-review, you just fucking command F everything mm-hmm. you contributed to. That's awesome. You got it, dude. You got it. This, this is exactly what I'm doing. Because I noticed in my my last perf write-up that it was a little bit harder to go through because I wasn't that consistent with my verbs. So yeah, in this yeah. last cycle, I've just been locked it down and, and come up with a good system that I think works. But whatever works for you, as long as you're consistent about it, it'll pay off really well in the in the future. I love it. This is like the incrementally correct work journal and we're evolving it in real time because I haven't been doing this, but I'm now I'm going to start doing it because, you know, once you say it, it's like, oh, shit, that's really obvious. This is cool. Good thing. Bringing you along on the journey, Brian. Thank you, sir. All right. <laughs> uh, last bit of follow up. So, y'all, we put a transcript up last week. We did. Yeah. It's on GitHub. And uh, we had our first people contribute to editing transcripts, which is really, really cool. Uh, so, so cool. shout out to Joey Jungle, a.k.a. Joey Perlman, and Geetha Cartaholi. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Thank you, Geetha and Joey. As a reminder, the transcripts are very very rough exports yeah and we're just going to be throwing those on github right now we have a directory on our repo link in the show notes called transcripts and if you want to help out and and just go through and spot a typo or a word that's incorrect and want to open a pull request i'd love to hear i got a message from somebody that this was their first experience opening a pull request on github and so if any of that is confusing or or intimidating or, or weird let me know one because i would love to help you and two, this is also like selfishly user research for GitHub. Like, if, it, <laughs> if these flows suck, uh, we'll fix them. So awesome! Um, yeah, thank you, thank you, Joey and Geetha, for those first contributions. Yeah, to our and they're good contributions. They're like they've cleaned up the transcript amazingly. Oh, these were like multi-dozen line cleanups, oh, tons. like tons yeah, yeah. of shit. Yeah, huge so, blocks. So thank you, thank you. All right, let's get into our main topic. So this week we have a listener question, which Marshall, I feel like you're just going to nerd out on this. This feels like wait. a question designed for you. Uh-huh. This one comes from Vinny329 on GitHub. He asked in an issue on our repo. He says, I'd love to get both your takes on the one-hand myth that a lot of designers seem to buy into when designing for mobile. The myth suggests that all people use one hand to interact with their phones, and so interfaces should be designed accordingly. This may have been true on the early smartphones, which were smaller, and where apps tended to be simpler. However, with devices getting bigger and heavier, it seems like people use both hands for more complex, high-stakes tasks, like buying something, and one hand for simple, low-stakes tasks, like scrolling through a feed. Is this what you guys have found to be true? And is there any recent research around how people use their hands to interact with their phones? It'd be super interesting to understand how you and Marshall... Oh, oh, this was addressed to me. How you and Marshall think about this when designing for mobile. Mm-hmm. Man, I love this question. And this is going to be one where I don't have research. I just have like experiences and, and some gut intuitions about like usability. So if anyone actually has hard research on this, I would be down. Or Marshall, maybe you do. Nope. But I'll just say that my my first instinct is... I find myself wanting to bottom orient things as often as possible, but a lot of times it's not possible. But I see a lot of apps evolving in this direction and that feels correct and it feels better to use. And a good example for me that comes to mind is like the Photos app. 
where not only do they have a tab bar to switch between contexts of what you're doing in photos, mm -hmm. but they also have like a bottom-oriented segmented control that changes mm -hmm. the scope of how you're viewing all of your photos by you know all week, month, year. Mm -hmm. And that was like nice validation that yes, we got to move a lot of the stuff down to the bottom. I think for me, the premise here actually, I feel it's almost inverted. I think, yeah, our phones are getting bigger and heavier. Some more people use them with both hands. But I think that's a problem that can be solved by putting more navigation at the bottom. Like mm -hmm. if, if the phone is super heavy and it's super big, like sure. But if we can bottom orient more of our stuff, it actually requires you to use two hands less and it's going to actually free up a hand for someone. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm all about it. Uh, I try to do more of it. But it's just not always possible. One thing we're trying on the GitHub mobile apps is it's kind of like a floating action button, like a fab, but slightly different. But we're putting some floating buttons in the bottom right corner uh, above the tab bar. We, we like it so far. So I think we'll keep continue doing that. And we're exploring patterns of how to get lots of actions down there, getting actions that change depending on the context you're in, that kind of thing. So anyways, interesting. That, I wanted to get my, my rant out of the way because I want to hear what you have to say about bottom navigation. Yeah, I mean, so I don't have recent research. I, I think the the image that always pops in my head when I think about one-handed use is Luke Rabluski's diagram, mm. that kind yeah. of like rainbow thing. We'll put it in the show notes, but um yeah, basically the, the reach of the thumb, as you can expect on a, a given device. And I think one thing to always keep in mind is we shouldn't assume that any given user has two hands to devote to, to a task at any given time, right? That might be permanent. That might just be because they're holding something in the other hand or juggling. They got a kid, you know, something like that, that they can't let go of and they need to do this thing with one hand. I think it's a fair assumption to make, like, you should make everything Thumbable, right? I just coined that term, right? Thumbable. <laughs> Trademark TM, TM, TM. <laughs> yeah, TM Marshall Bach 2020. But yeah, I, th I think, you know, your, your thinking isn't wrong to assume that for more intense tasks, people are more likely to put two hands on the phone the same way that you, you know, turn down the radio when you get close to where you're trying to, to go. Um, I guess that I guess that tracks, but to assume that you can be more lax in how well you account for one-handed use in harder flows, like I think that's kind of the challenge is to make all regardless of the flow to make it easy to use and reachable and thumbable is is something that makes things easier to use, right? I this reminds me of one of the things that you brought up on the show before, which is the fact that Apple does this and and they encourage high priority navigation to be near the bottom of your phone. So you have the dock on the springboard with your four most frequently used applications. You have tab bars to get to the most core parts of an application from the bottom. But they break their own rule when it comes to the rest of the stuff on Springboard, mm -hmm. which is like you From can't the you can't force something to be the row above the dock. It, it's like yep. you always have to go top left to bottom right, which yep. is like aesthetically correct in a left to right reading language. It's like mm -hmm. yeah, you start at the top left and you work your way to the bottom right. Mm -hmm. But from this usability principle of can you get to the important things with with your thumb and one hand. Uh, it totally breaks. So there's some disconnect there, right? Yeah, this is always kind of the question when you have a feed. Is like, is it reverse chrono or chrono, right? Mm -hmm. Is it like email or like text messages? Do new things come in at the bottom or at the top? If they come in at the bottom, then they're a lot easier to, to reach, right? But if they come in from the top, it makes a lot more sense from a chronological standpoint of like new things at the top. That's how we expect 
notifications and emails and everything to work. So in any given feed, I'm always like, ah, should this be top down or bottom up? Bottom up always works better. Maybe you can contain that thing such that the top isn't so far away. This is kind of what Samsung's One UI does is they yep, just yep. basically say nothing goes at the top. We just put a big title and everything gets pushed down into the thumbable range and it works. If you want to scroll up, you can, but everything is initially reachable. I don't know about you, Brian, but when it comes to the keyboard, for example, like I have a 11 Pro Max. Yeah. And I have my keyboard shoved over to the right side of the screen. It's like hidden inside the emoji menu or whatever, if you long press. But like I have my keyboard doesn't go full width. It's all crammed over to the right side of the screen because my thumb can't reach all the way over to the left without me <laughs> dropping the damn thing. Right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Are you the same way? You could probably got bigger hands than I do. Uh, maybe a tiny bit, but no, I, I can't stand the aesthetics of having a keyboard not take up the full width. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I've I've gotten over it, but I, I got a swipey, and I can't swipey if I can't reachy. So. True. I, I feel like one thing I've noticed, and this is where I, I actually have a lot of room to improve, is where you put primary actions. And this is where Material, I feel like they made some progress with the floating action button. I have a ton of problems with the fab, personally. I don't like them. But <laughs> okay. I do like the idea of the primary thing that you're meant to do on this screen should be closer to, to the bottom so you can reach it. But for me, or like even in iOS, it tends to be the case that primary actions get put in the nav bar, right? Like the top mm-hmm. right of a nav bar. So if you look at, oh, I don't know, messages, like compose message is always in the top right. Mm-hmm. But I've also noticed a lot of apps are starting to switch to fabs, even on iOS. Like Things is a good example. The, the create new to-do lives at the mm-hmm. bottom Outlook for iOS, which is an app I love, has create email and create event in the bottom right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then other apps have started doing creative like power user things, which are undiscoverable interactions with tab bars that maybe not everyone notices, but once you learn it, it saves you that stretch. So for example, most search inputs are at the top of a screen. Mm-hmm. So it's really annoying when you go to a search tab in an app and you then have to reach all the way to the top to focus that input. Oh yeah, A lot of apps have added a little custom handler. So if you either double tap on the search tab or long press on it, it'll just focus that search input for you. So an example mm-hmm. of this would be Outlook for iOS does this. Uh, we do this on the GitHub app. So if you long press on the Explore tab right now, it'll just focus the search input there. So I, actually, Apple's added this to the Music app. If you If you tap again on the search tab, when you're already on the search tab, it'll focus the search field. Yeah. I'm so happy you brought this up too, by the way, Brian, because uh, you're going exactly where I was about to go, which is to Uh material.io. If you go to that, we'll have a link in the show notes to the bottom app bars section. Okay. But in here, it shows all of the stuff that you would normally expect to be at the top is now moved to the bottom. So you have this kind of combined fab and bottom bar and that the hamburger, the the three line menu icon is actually in the bottom left rather than the top left. And Uh, That just makes it a lot more reachable. Unfortunately, when you pop out that menu, guess where the most primary first thing is going to be? At the top of the list. So uh, um, hmm. still running into that bottom up, top down thing. Yeah. How does this interface with bottom navigation a la tab bars? Well, so you kind of have to make a choice, right? Either Uh either you have a bottom tab bar and you choose five and you don't need a side menu or you put that stuff in the side menu, I guess. Hmm. Okay. Kind of mutually exclusive. But it's interesting the way they've thought about like... Getting into the menu is a pretty common thing. Why is it so far away? And and I think uh, to that point, the the example that you used earlier, like a messages, how often do you create a new message? You're usually just talking.
talking to people you've already been talking to. Mm. So putting it at the top doesn't really matter so much. It's the stuff at the bottom, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense to me that it's there. So if you're going to have to make that choice, you should be sure that the things you're putting up top are used less. And usually those creation things are like that, unless you're a post-heavy application, in which case you might want to make it a fab or put it in that bottom bar. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I want to bring this back. We, we talked about MagSafe in the mm-hmm. sidebar. We did. And MagSafe is coming back to the iPhones. Mm-hmm. And one of the interesting conversations happening around that is like what other accessories besides charging will use the magnet. And mm-hmm. you know those pop sockets, right? Oh, yeah. I Have mentioned it last one? episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I haven't used it, but I'm fully aware. I mean, I do not like the look of them. I don't like the way they stick onto your phone. But mm-hmm. my goodness, they are very practical and useful. Yeah. Um, yep. I was actually used one today on a friend's phone. And I'm wondering if that will come as like a first-party MagSafe accessory at some point. <laughs> because... That frees up having to balance phones on your pinky, basically, which actually makes reaching any part of the screen really easy. That's a good point. And 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 speaking of iPhones, like the new iPhone Mini, I think is kind of an answer to this problem of not being able to reach the whole damn screen. Like personally, I'm very drawn to that device specifically for that reason. Like even if it's not as powerful or doesn't have as good of cameras or whatever, like that's not what I'm buying it for. I'm trying to fit it in my pocket and reach each corner, you know? I really want to hold one before I make a purchasing decision, but it is, it's comical that they had to advertise it as, look, we made a phone that fits in your palm. It's like, yeah. huh, <laughs> what went wrong somewhere four yeah. or five years ago? I, I So I guess, yeah, to wrap this up is like the hardware will continue to evolve. There's going to be accessories. and But I think there's still just enough design patterns that you can lean on for more accessible one-handed navigation or action taking that you could use and take advantage of. And some people will notice, maybe most people won't, but the ergonomics are there and you should do it if you have the opportunity. And yeah, I, I like what you pointed out, Marshall, like, there are primary actions on a screen that might not be super common, or maybe it's not even a primary action, but like creating a new iMessage. Or important. Fine, it like, needs to be surfaced. It needs to yeah. be there and visible, but probably not use that often. Yeah, throw it in the nav bar. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And, and luckily, we can lean on gestures for a lot of the other stuff, right? So like back, doesn't matter that it's in the top left. We got swipe. Yeah, and, and, and we even have um, what's it called? Yeah, what's, what's it called? Re- uh, reachability. Oh, reachability. Reachability. There yeah. you go. Yeah. yeah, we have that. If you really need to, I, I only ever use that on accident. I only ever use it on accident. For people who don't know, if you're on like the latest iPhones post uh-huh. iPhone 10, mm-hmm. uh, where that little handle exists at the bottom of the screen, if you swipe down only on that section, mm-hmm. it invokes reachability, and it might yeah. be a setting you have to turn on. I can't remember if it's on by default. I wouldn't assume anybody uses that or knows how to use it. Do you know anybody who uses it? <laughs> no, but I mean, it is interesting. Like if that was actually discoverable, I mean, they clearly built this to solve this particular problem of like how to right. help people reach things in the nav bar. Um, mm-hmm. It happened right around iPhone 6, I think. Okay. When, it, when the phones got big. Yeah, but no, I don't know. Anyways, well, hopefully that was helpful. Thank you for letting me nerd out a bit on this type of stuff. Yeah. Maybe if people know of like really cool bottom oriented navigation patterns, I'd love to hear them. Like a few for me, I love things the way that they have a lot of creation happens at the bottom of the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Halide. Halide, mm, the camera mm-hmm. app, every camera control is at the bottom uh, yep. or it's a gesture on top of the viewfinder. I don't know photography terms. <laughs> um, 
But those are a couple of examples of like really great bottom-oriented navigation. And it, it's so practical. Like you want to create a quick to-do while you're on the go. You're whipping out your phone and trying to snap a quick picture. Like get that stuff uh, in a position where you can get to it very easily. I love it. So may, yeah, if, if anyone has examples, it'd be cool to hear those on Twitter maybe. Keep it thumbable. Thumbable. <laughs> All right, cool. Speaking of cool, cool things. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go first? I think you might have uh, given up the plot a little bit earlier. Oh, yeah. Um, my cool thing is a tool that I've really gotten into using at work. It's called Loom. And mm-hmm. maybe other people are using this too. Uh, I think it's loom.com. And what is Loom? Loom, it's a screen recorder with better user experience. Okay. Like I used to use CAP to record screen demos, K-A-P, and it's a great one. I still use that occasionally. There's two things that I like about Loom. The first is it automatically has a little circle that it places in the corner that records your face while you're recording your screen. It's optional. You can turn that on or off, but I like it. I like watching people present and getting able, like being able to see their face and their expressions and hand gestures at the same time, especially Mm -hmm. since we're doing so much asynchronous online work right now. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is once you the second you hit stop, it automatically opens your browser to a URL where that video is usually already uploaded. They're kind of uploading as you record. So hmm. that particular thing saves so much time. Like if you just want to record a quick video, one minute, send it to a coworker to get their thoughts and an idea, you just record. The second you hit stop, you have a, a URL that you can just grab on your clipboard and, and share. Hmm. Okay. So I love that particular feature of it. They have a pretty generous free plan, but I actually just went ahead and upgraded. I'm on the, it's like $100 for a year, which gives you, I think, unlimited uploads. And I've been on an upload spree, man. I'm uploading shit all the time and I love it. And uh, a lot of the designers on our team at GitHub have also taken to using it to to show prototypes or explain ideas or things that they're working on. And it's great. So I like it. And yeah, like we mentioned, they just did a big, rebrand and redesign and they did a really cool thing with that redesign I, uh, they actually had their design team record looms explaining why they made certain design decisions they did which was cool it was like very hmm. transparent but also very intimate it's like wow I'm watching the designer who made this thing explain why they made this thing uh, yeah. uh, that doesn't happen super frequently for, for company redesigns mm-hmm. and uh, yeah I watched a couple of those and it was awesome so uh <laughs> I guess now I will find a couple of those tweets and put links in the show notes. But uh, yeah, yeah. I'm try. Well, my my mind is racing, Brian. You've made me think of so many things. One of them is there was a screen recording demo thing that came out recently where the guy mm-hmm. was like mm-hmm. super kind of snarky and yeah. like just mm-hmm. fucking. Around. What was that called? It's called. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what it was. I knew it was. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was like, is it like hello or yeah. something? I think it was something mm-hmm. simple. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, got it. Uh, yeah, you sent me you sent me that product video or the mm-hmm. the it's like the marketing video for it. Yeah, where the marketing video was just using the product. It was yeah, so good. It was very funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's that too. Check that out. That was interesting. Also, Descript, which is the editing app that we use to... Oh, buddy. They have video editing now and screen recording and all sorts of stuff. It'll be interesting to see how people use that. Yeah. And the, and the last thing was, it reminds me of when Orange Box came out, which was the, the famous Valve multi-game release that included Portal. They had like a, a demo version where you could walk through the game and there'd be little like quotation mark icons floating around each level and you could go and and interact with those and it would be the developers talking to you about why they made the decisions in the game uh, or at least for that specific level 
Super cool, man. Uh, I, I, I totally dig that stuff, especially coming from the mouth of the person who helped work on it. You know? Yeah, it's cool. And I understand why a lot of companies choose not to do that. I think for a lot of people, the reason is like we don't actually want this to be about individual people and individual decisions. It's about the bigger picture, the company, the brand. This is like Apple, right? Like, mm-hmm. You never know who worked on a thing. It's all just part of the, the big monolith. But it's yeah, that's why it's refreshing, I think, to see the humans behind a product. And I understand there's trade-offs there, but I selfishly appreciate that because I can go in and learn a thing or two. Totally. All right, that's well, me. Cool thing. Yeah, what yeah. you got? Uh, I got a YouTube channel for you, Brian. Ooh, back, um, on, back on the YouTube. All right, I, we've, you know, we've swung back from one of the two things. Got it. Yeah, this, <laughs> <laughs> I ping pong. Uh-huh. I vacillate. So this one is an interesting one. Uh, it's, it's a channel called Cracking the Cryptic. And uh, what's your experience with Sudoku, Brian? I like it. Uh, there was that video that went around about the guy solving the like impossible Sudoku or something that w- went viral that was very enjoyable. Oh, maybe. Was he a British guy named Simon with like a, a kind of soothing voice? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Okay, well, maybe that was this. I don't know about the viral video you're talking about, but that that might have come from this channel. So yeah, basically, this guy, I think there's actually two guys, but the the one I like that I've seen the most videos from, his name is Simon. Uh, yes, it was this channel. I sorted videos by most popular, and the second one uh, with 2 million views is called The Miracle Sudoku that came out five months ago. Okay. And it looks like it started with two numbers and there was yep. like a bunch of rules. Yeah. 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 And that's what all these are. Like he solves these crazy, crazy Sudoku puzzles uh, that I would have no chance of ever solving. Totally. But he walks you through his thought process step by step as he's thinking about it. And he, he thinks out loud. And I've learned so much about solving Sudoku just by watching this guy. Um, meanwhile, it's kind of a nice like on in the background while I'm working kind of a thing. They're long videos from like half an hour to an hour, depending on how difficult the puzzle is. But I don't know. It's just kind of like soothing background stuff or even to watch. It's it's fun to learn. I don't know. Maybe it's a weird, cool thing to suggest, but I've been watching it a lot. Lately. No, it's cool. I mean, I would recommend everyone go and watch that Miracle Sudoku video. Uh, I haven't. They have another video with more views, 5 million views. Yeah. But just go and watch at least the one. It, it was fun. Dude, if I derived as much joy from anything as he derives from putting numbers in boxes, like I'd be a totally different person, man. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you get on an equally sort of craftsman-like level with talking about uh, visual design. Sure, sure, sure. I was being hyperbolic. You know what, You know what though? I'm looking at this channel and their logo, uh, not great. It's clever, nope. but it basically says racking the cryptic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have, um, they did a Kickstarter and they have a book out and they actually have two apps. There's like two Sudoku apps on the App Store right now. Um, neither is designed very well. I've considered <laughs> contacting them and doing a little bit of uh, pro bono work just to make their stuff look better, but I don't have time for stuff like that. But oh man, you should because your Solitaire app that you never finished was, was gorgeous. Yeah, no, I finished it enough to scratch the itch. Sure, sure. Anyways. Cool things, Brian. All right. Well, this has been episode 370. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, consider supporting us on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash design details. For just a dollar a month, you get access to full, complete episodes of the show, including a supporter-only segment called The Sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. This week, we talked about collaboration between product design and brand teams. So if you want to learn about that, that's at patreon.com slash design details. 
otherwise, uh, let's see here. We need some new calls to action. Uh, if you're interested in helping us edit transcripts or if you have a, a listener question that you want us to address in a follow-up episode, go to our GitHub repo. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes, but that's github.com slash specfm. Uh, and you'll find the design details repo there. Otherwise, follow us on Twitter, tweet at us, DM us. We love hearing from you all. And we'll see you next week. Arriva Derchi. Arriva Derchi. <laughs> All right, now you're just going through Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> that was good. Oh, man. Brad Pitt's character in that is fantastic. Gorlami. <laughs> uh, there's a really good, uh, I don't know if uh, you've seen the channel Red Means Record. I think that's what it's called. Red Means Recording. I have not. He basically makes songs out of clips oh, of stuff. Oh, wow. Yes. It's okay. an amazing channel. I found like it. an extra bonus cool thing. And there's one where he took that clip of like... Fuck yeah. Gorlami. Excuse me? Gorlami. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to watch this immediately after we hit stop recording. Yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy.